welcome you here to Winter Hills Church. Uh, uh, thanks for coming out. Um, I do want to start by saying, like I, that I, like I always do, what I speak about today should not replace your normal time of, of personal study and growth, nor should it be your only time of personal study and growth. Uh, the pastors here, um, we want to provide avenues for you for growth and prayer and study. We want to walk alongside with, you th- with that, but, but that's things that you should be doing at home. Um, if that's something you want to talk about, if those are those things you want to uh, implement into your life, uh, reach out to one of the pastors, use the welcome card, or you'll see our information on the back of the bulletins. We'd love to talk to you about how to incorporate those things into your daily lives and your family's lives, okay? So reach out to us. We, we'd love to, to guide you because others have guided us, and they've, and they've showed us. So it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter where you're at. Just give us a call, and we'd love to talk to you about that. Cool? Oh, yeah. All right. So we are on our second week of our Just Walk Across the Room sermon series, and we are talking about personal evangelism. Um, And last week, Pastor Tom talked about how the single greatest gift you can give somebody is an invitation to know Christ, Um, just as God gave us his greatest gift to us, his son Jesus, okay? So it's a very, very impactful message. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, it is on our website. You can go check it out, listen to it this afternoon, and get caught up. Um, we are going to be in our Bibles a little bit today, so if you want to turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7, if you do have your Bibles, we'll have it up if you don't. And then if you want to put your finger on Luke chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 35. And uh, so, did everybody get the sermon notes? We do have a few extra copies, so if you didn't get sermon notes, will you slip up your hand? Yep, we got Mike back there. All right, so... So this morning, um, uh, in regards to personal evangelism, we're going to talk about how this plays out in our, in our personal lives. Um, because effective, relational-based evangelism will, can only happen if we're truly engaged in the lives of the people around us. So just like last week, Pastor Tom spoke that we need to be giving ourselves over to pointing people to Jesus. Okay? All right. And here's a very important statement I need everybody to hear. The reality for many Christians is that the longer they've been a Christian, the less they interact with non-Christians. Maybe we honestly don't mean to, but I'm afraid we circle ourselves with, with Christian things. All our friends are Christian. We listen to Christian music. We go to Christian concerts. Maybe we only eat at Chick-fil-A. Maybe we only shop Hobby Lobby. I'm just as guilty. I Chick-fil-A twice this past weekend. Um, unfortunately, maybe we think it's easier to surround ourselves in a Christian bubble than go out into a messy world. Um, with that comes a lot of fear, and I think that's what's stopping us. So I want to talk about that for a minute, okay? Fear is what's stopping us from going into the world. Um, and I have a couple examples here. One, I think... We're, we fear making a mistake. Do you think that when you're talking to somebody, you're not going to know the right things to say? Maybe you're going to misquote the Bible? Huh? Does that stop you from, from reaching out to people? It, I think it does me sometimes. Maybe you're afraid of losing your job. Maybe the culture at your work is not one that you think you can talk about uh, your faith in Jesus, and Jesus, and you don't know that you can reach out without some kind of retaliation. That's a big fear. I mean, we need our jobs, don't we? Maybe we're afraid of losing people. 
Maybe we don't want to be labeled as the Jesus freak or, or a fanatic. And so our friends and family, if they stop talking to us, I don't know if I could handle that. Um, maybe we fear confrontation. So if I do talk to you about my faith and you challenge me back, you debate me, man, I, I'm going to probably back off and, and be like, ah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. That's tough. Um, here's a big one. We fear rejection. And this is something we experience across the board. At school, we experience rejection. In our social circles, we experience rejection. So we don't want to be rejected. We want to feel accepted by our peers. But, but maybe, maybe speaking about Jesus, you know. The last thing, I, and I think it, it might roll around in the back of our heads, would be the, the worst-case scenario. What if I did reach out to somebody and I offered the gospel and I shared my testimony and they did not, did not have an experience, a salvation experience. They did not accept Jesus. And something tragic happens. Man, I failed. I didn't, didn't save this person. So what's easier? We don't have to talk to him at all. So if something happens, we can go, well, that wasn't my guy. I, you know, I wasn't in charge of talking to him. That was, was who, we, I don't know who was talking to him. Um, I understand that it's tough to get out there. It can be overwhelming to reach out to people. This world is dark, and it's and some there's some nasty people out there. So we can oops, we can feel a little intimidated when we go out and try to reach people. And maybe you've tried that. Maybe you tried to reach out and lend a helping hand, and in the end, find out that they were just taking advantage of you. They were just taking everything they could from you. I mean, that'll stop you from going back out, won't it? I know, I know there's a situation that me and Deborah had, had dealt with um, a while back that we had invited a person over, had, had dinner with them, was going to watch a movie, where well, we did watch a movie with them, all in the hopes of trying to get them to know better. Um, they ended up stealing from us. Went right in our bedroom, stole jewelry from, from Deborah's jewelry box. Sentimental pieces that we've never gotten back. It, that's hard. I mean... We had to reconcile within ourselves if, if, if we can have people back over again. We've forgiven. That was not a question. But I don't know that we can ever restore that relationship. That's going to be hard for us. Um, now, we know, just, just think about this. We know that's not how it's supposed to be. This isn't the kind of world that, that God wanted us to have. So, in 2 Timothy... Verse, um, chapter 1, verse 7. It's a quick little verse. I think we all know it. For God gave us a spirit of, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So right there, we know the spirit of fear is not from God. Where can it come from? It comes from the enemy. He wants to do all he can to paralyze you. He wants you to stop in your tracks, not reach out to people, not share the gospel. If you let that fear take over, though, there's a couple things that, that may end up happening to us. So the fear, for some reason, makes us negotiate with God, doesn't it? God, I'll do all the heavy lifting. You just send someone else to talk to them. I'll, I'll do any service work you got. I'll build houses. 
in your name. Just, just send someone else to preach the message. That's not how it works. You can't barter with God. Well, maybe that fear makes us justify other things, and, and we, we create a resistance to evangelism because we think it's only for clergy and missionaries. It's their job, right? They get paid. That's what they do. We can't, we can't leave that for just the pastors. Um, it, it's something for all of us. There's, there's really not that many pastors in the United States. So we need to share that responsibility. Um, what happens is that because of fear, instead of walking toward people to show God's redemptive love, we step back away from people, don't we? We get farther and farther from non-Christians, from, from non-believers, because we might be trying to protect our little Christian bubble. Because in our Christian bubble, it's safe. It's predictable. It's uncluttered. It's not messy at all, is it? We, we can't have interference from non-Christians. They, they might, well, that stuff might get on us, you know? Don't disguise your holiness as avoiding non-believers. You ever heard this about somebody? Man, I can't, I can't believe that guy. He, he's always telling dirty jokes. It's all he does is tell dirty jokes, and I, I can't be around him. You know, I, I, I can't listen to him. I can't associate with him because people might think that I like dirty jokes. I can't do that. Or maybe, maybe the house down the road, the grass is, is unkept. Why don't they mow their yard? And that, and that vehicle that's sitting out front hasn't moved in two months. What is, the garage door is falling off the hinges. I'm going to have to call the city. I'm going to have to call the city, and they're going to have to be written up. Code enforcement or something is going to have to happen. God treasures people above everything. Okay? God treasures people above everything. And he was so good, so good at seeing the potential in people. Jesus built relationships with vagrants and liars and cowards and cheaters. But he had a spiritual goal in mind. See, for all of them, the potential was the same as it is for us. See, he knew the old could become new. The fallen could be restored. The weak could be made strong. The wanderer could come home. Derelicts could be disciples. So when we open ourselves to God's spirit, then we're going to love what he loves. Okay? So the longer we're a Christian... We should be walking toward those that need just a crazy, radical love. And it'll make us just crazy, outwardly focused. Grace-giving, that could be us. 
we should be, we should be the most open-minded about the power of God to change lives. I mean, that should be who we are in our DNA. All right, so how do we do this? That's the question, right? Well, for three payments of $29.95, I have a three-step process. No, no, wait. There's bonus material, too. All right. First, we need to develop friendships. So you remember my friend that tells the dirty jokes? Well, maybe he tells dirty jokes because he's alone now, because he's lost his wife. And really all he wants is someone to love him again. So that's all he knows, is to share stories to make people laugh. Or, or maybe the, the yard that's unkept um, that needs help. Maybe that's a mother that's, I mean, a, a, a daughter that's had to move back in with her mother to care for her sick mother. And she can barely leave her side for even a minute. I've got a lawnmower. I can help her out. But I didn't know that. See, it is so easy to draw negative conclusions when we only see a glimpse, just a glimpse of their lives. An unkept yard or an overzealous personality. Or how about the one sitting in the corner eating lunch by themselves that never speaks? The list goes on and on, and, and all these assumptions just keep us from befriending, befriending people. So we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about rubbing shoulders with people that could be far from God. Um, it's going to take risks. It could cost us time. It could cost us money. Um, it could cost us comfort. It'll cost us maybe rejection. We talked about that earlier. That's tough. Oh, I keep stepping back here. Um, maybe it costs our reputation a little bit. Like, how would you feel if I told you I spent the, a Friday night late in a bar doing karaoke with some friends? I don't drink, so. But you wouldn't know that, would you? We can engage people right now, right where you're at. So it doesn't matter what's happened before today. That's the beauty of living a life in Christ. It doesn't matter what happened before. We can all start today. We can engage people at the grocery store or dry cleaners, maybe at our, our, our kids' school, um, anywhere with that we're, we're around other people. It, it, we can do it. How about this one? What about our own families? Do you have anybody in your family that may be far from God? Are you engaged with them? That may be a tough one. Um, as Christ followers... We do naturally care for people, and I think, I think we do a really good job at caring for people. I mean, we, we want to help the needy. That was, but it does take real choices. You have to choose to do that. Um, our way of doing things is not always God's way of doing things, and life is busy, right? We have stuff that, that competes for our attention, our time, everywhere you go. Um, if you truly want to make those friendships, though, um, you're going to have to make some adjustments to your schedule. And there's, there's a perfect example. Now, Jesus made adjust, adjustments all the time throughout his ministry, okay? So if we're going to be anything like him, I mean, this is, he's, he's 
showing us exactly what to do. So there's a, a special verse that I like or a special story. Um, this is Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 35. So if you put your little ear, earmark there. Um, so as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked, What was happening? So they told him, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth is passing by. So he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want for me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. So there in verse 40, it says Jesus stopped and he instructed the man be brought to him. By the way, he's still doing that for us. He's instructing us to bring people to him. At this point in Jesus' life, um, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's headed that way. In just a few days from this passage, he would experience betrayal and arrest and torture and crucifixion. He was a man on a mission. He knew what was going on. He was busy. He had things competing for his time and his attention. Yet he stopped to help one blind beggar. I feel like if we pay attention, no, I know if we pay attention, there are people crying out around us, but we don't hear them. All right, so I do want to talk about some practical ways that you can engage people around us. So, um, I want to, this conversation, I think, needs to keep going. It can't end today. It can't end tomorrow. This is something that, that, that we, need, we need to incorporate in our lives the next weeks, months, years. So back on the back table, there's a next step table, and we've put out a couple of resources. So uh, there's one that has some tips for inviting uh, your friends to church, how you get involved. There's one, um, 25 ways to engage people in the community or your neighbors. Uh, there's one even about block parties. If you want to do a block party in your neighborhood, that's a little more... You know, it takes a little more preparation there, but there's a packet back there. Uh, I know the Brendels do it in their neighborhood, and I think they've been successful there. Um, so those are the bonus, the bonus features for the material. But wait, there's more. Um, after you build those friendships, we need to discover their stories. Um, the next step after that is you need to be intentional about discovering their stories. I mean, what's their life been the last couple of years? Maybe some of their hopes and dreams? You do have to be a little bit careful that you don't talk too much about your stuff because you want to you hear about their stuff and, and what they're going through, okay? Um, and different people have different styles of sharing. Some are more aggressive than others. That, that's fine. Just don't change who you are, Okay? You can be authentic. You can be honest. If you're not aggressive, don't be aggressive. If you're not, you know, a crazy talker, just don't try to force it. Just be yourself. God will put those people in your lives that you are supposed to reach out to. 
All right, we're going to look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 real fast. So if you want to flip there. Or it's on the screen. This passage says, um, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. See, Paul is talking about finding points of common interest with those around you. Uh, So this is about discovering shared stories or uh, maybe, maybe a similar life story that you can talk about, or maybe you're in the same life stage. Um, all these are to open up the conversation. And then you need to stay sensitive so that you can hear more of their story. But please don't be judgmental. Jesus wants us to accept them where they are and take it from there. As Christ's followers... We are accountable for regularly moving in circles with people that are far from God, uncovering their stories with compassion and grace, and then, then naturally, we could share the gospel with them. And God will open these doors of opportunity. Um, And then when that happens, in our third step, we need to discern next steps. These friendships and conversations hopefully will will eventually reach a point where there may be a decision that needs to be made. And so you may be in the right position to talk to them about Jesus. But you you can take it to that next level or you can walk away. So I hope we all would take it to the next level. There will be some signals. And and if you're really engaged with somebody, you'll see these things like, Maybe they'll need an encouragement that you can offer. Maybe they do have some, some questions about faith. Uh, maybe they just want a resource. Maybe there's a book that you can, you can offer they would help. Maybe, maybe they just need help. They need um, something fixed or, or whatever. You can lend a hand. Maybe they need to be invited to church. You never know how these will impact their lives. If we allow God to work, though, he will move our own agendas to the back seat, and he will help us so that as people interrupt our lives, we will be free to help and reach out to them. When this happens, this will shift our focus off of us and onto somebody else, and it's a simple question, or a simple prayer, rather. How can I help them? We're going to look at uh, another passage. So Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. So if you have that. All right. Verse 25. On one occasion... An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus is good about answering a question with a question. Well, what is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live, Jesus replied. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked, who's my neighbor? Um, I want to pause there for a second. I think he wanted to find out if he could decide who his neighbor was. Then he could decide who he helped, right? Then it wouldn't matter if he helped everybody or if he helped no one. It would be up to him to decide. So I think that's what he was talking about. So in Jesus' fashion, he wanted to tell a a parable here. So in, in, in reply, Jesus said, Well, a man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now, these two men were religious leaders of the day. And so it would have been, I don't know if it's just a, a custom or just, if they were to get in contact with something that was dead, they would have been unclean. So they would have been unfit to do services or whatever. I think it's maybe a week or something like that. So they didn't want to get dirty, right? So they passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. So Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This parable shows me that the main thing is that it doesn't matter who my neighbor was. I'm called to love, I'm called to serve, and I'm called to walk across the room. But I think what, um, what hit me a little more in this passage is not, not the good Samaritan. I mean, I, I feel like I would have helped the man and taken him to, like, urgent care and maybe called the police or something like that and maybe checked on him later. I'm not sure that I would have paid his bills. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I probably would have let him take care of that. But, so, but I feel like we would have cared for him. What I don't want us to identify with is the priest and the Levite who walk past him because we don't want to be unclean. Because we're still trying to protect our, our little Christian bubble. We don't want that interference from the outside world. I don't want to be that. There's, um, there's one more resource on, on the back of your sermon notes. Um, and this is um, something I want you guys to take home personally. And, and so it's, it's nine squares, and, uh, and that's, that's a picture of Pastor Tom right in the middle. No. That, that, <laughs> so the person in the middle would be you, okay? And so the eight blocks around that, I need you to imagine eight people around you. So either in your neighborhood, eight neighbors closest to you, maybe at your work, eight people closest to you. Maybe in a social setting or the gym or wherever you can think of, I want you to think of eight other people. 
we want this to sort of help you to kind of gauge where you're uh, tracking with engagement. And so um, in the box, we're going to write the letter A, B, and C for every, every box. And then letter A should be either the address or the name of the person that, that you want to reach out to. B should be something maybe you would know deeper than surface level. Like you'd have to find out if they're married or if they have kids or, you know, things like that. Where they live maybe, if they're in Trinity or Archdale or wherever. Um, so once you find that out, you can write that in B or, or just check it and you would know that you've gotten to that point. C would be a deeper conversation. Things you would only know. Hopes and dreams and maybe struggles and, and past things. That would be C. So when you get to C, well, that may be the point where you introduce the gospel. This is what happens in my life when I'm struggling. Here's how it can help yours. So this is it's just a tool. I mean, all these are just tools. And I can talk all day long about practical ways to engage people. I mean, the, the Internet is, is just littered with, with all these ways that you can, you can talk to people. Most of it is just doing everyday things, the things you're already doing, the places you're already visiting. These are the people that you should be engaging. Our prayer today should be that when we do these things, that we do them with gospel intentionality so that we see the potential in people like Jesus did. We have spiritual goals in mind. And we should seek to meet and engage new people in our normal rhythms of life. We should prayerfully watch and listen to the Holy Spirit to discern where God is working And we need to boldly and humbly and contextually proclaim the gospel all through our own lives. That's how you share Jesus. So, I'm not bashing Christian things. I mean, they're great. I just don't want us to think that that's all this world has to offer. There's much, much more. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. We, we ask that you open our eyes to this. Help us to see the people around us, the people in need. Help us to engage the lost, the hurting, the wanderers. Help us, Holy Spirit, to love those that you love. Help us to know the the best ways to talk with people and and learn their stories and, and, and be a friend. We thank you for those opportunities. We thank you for your son. And the greatest gift that you've given us. Now in turn, help us to be bold. To speak life into people. Into their lives. To not be quick to judge. With 
negative tone to to try to find out those stories and and be the hands and feet of God. Thank you for this day. Continue to bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Anson. Um, you know, here's what I love about uh, what he shared. If you're, if you're writing notes, especially last week, I told you that I honestly believe, and I think so many of you would join me on this, that those in our lives that we know would honestly have a vastly better life if they understood the grace and the love and the redemption of Christ. I mean, they can do without the, the, the judgment, the legalism that sometimes we miss the mark on, but the grace and love and redemption of Christ. And though this week you, you actually got some, some practical tools, and I would guess all three of the things that Pastor Anson walked through, you'll be faced with it this week. The opportunity to develop a relationship, to discover somebody's story, and to discern what's my next step with this person. God will put it in front of you this week. So take that last thing he talked about seriously. Just pray. Pray for what God wants to do through you this week. And God will lead you. He'll guide you. He doesn't need you to step out in any way that's outside of where he's leading you. And I think it's, it's going to be an awesome week because of that. Well, if you uh, have one of these cards that are on, I think, about every other seat, this will be the time to use that. And uh, if there's anything we can pray for you on or anything the Lord is just speaking to you about, or maybe uh, this week you were just uh, ready to make a commitment in a certain area, uh, or anything that we've talked about otherwise, use this card. Hey, I want to throw out one service opportunity that's, uh, that's in great need for us. Um, if those of you have kids, you'll know that one of the things that we do is we make sure we staff our hallway over here for several reasons to uh, allow the teachers to not have to leave the classroom to take care of a kid that might need to come see a parent or, or do something outside the classroom, uh, to make sure no one goes up and down the hallway that is, doesn't have need to be up and down our hallway so our kids are safe down there. And we basically need two people that would say, hey, once a month, I'll serve that hallway. So I'll, I'll go ahead and listen to the sermon online that week, and I'll just serve in the hallway instead once a month um, so that we could fill out that schedule. It would be a blessing to our kids' ministry, to all of our kids, um, and to really our, our kids' director as well. Um, so if that's you, you can use this card just right on there. Uh, hall monitor, I guess. <laughs> Do we still call it that? <laughs> we'll give you a cute little vest to wear. So just write on that card, and, and when you drop in the offering in just a second here, we'll know to contact you, and that'd be a huge blessing to our kids' ministry program as well. So we're going to take up our, our tithes and offerings this morning, our building pledges as well. If you didn't come with a way to give, uh, again, we're, we live in that day and age. Checkbooks are, are nearly passed. Uh, make sure you go online, windoverhills.org, and use the online giving, and you can go that route. Um, building update for you as our ushers go. You guys can go ahead and come. And building update is this week... Um, if you'd like to go down and sit on the property, you're going to see a building delivered and set on the property this week. So um, it's supposed to be here by the 24th, or not, excuse me, yesterday was the 24th, 27th. Um, so is that Monday? So uh, it's coming, uh, the building. So it's there, it's complete, and it's going to be shipped and it's going to be there. So all we're waiting on now is one signature. So if you would like to gang prayer around that one person to sign off and to say, yeah, we're good, um, 
that would be great. If we get that signature from the county, then our site approval is done. Basically, the whole site has been approved. We need just uh, that one signature on those trees, I told you, that we're drawn in. That's the dude. So uh, pray for him this week. Pray for speed of pen uh, for him. And uh, that'll be happening, so we'll update you this week. All right, well, why don't you stand, and we'll invite our, our praise team to send us out, and then we're going to uh, have a, a prayer over the meal when we're done, and we invite you to stay and join us right after the praise team leads us.